Like recently I watched a, a video on YouTube of the steamed hams scene with <laughs> Principal Skinner and it had been edited so that uh, all the words were just in alphabetical order and that's what I watched for a few minutes. There are endless iterations of that one. Oh, there, yeah, there's so <laughs> many. It's just like when a, a, I saw an edit that's like when a word is repeated, it is replaced with the first instance of that word being said in the... <laughs> <laughs> in the scene. That was like so long. I know, but it's like somehow I feel that that's worth it. reminds me of the Lord of the Rings, but every time Sam takes a step further away from home, it plays it back from the point where it says, "This is the." F- it says, you know, this is the furthest from home I will ev- I've ever been. Amazing. And it plays that clip again and comes back. <gasps> oh, that is, that's got to be pretty long. It's long. It's long. It's like, I that think really the fellowship is out. like 10 hours long or something. <laughs> Because it's every single time he takes a step, it would actually get to the point where you were numb and sick watching that, I imagine. Yeah, I didn't. And then it would get funny again. It would want to be one of those ones that sort of comes in waves. Yeah, by the eighth hour, you're real. Because you're trying to watch The Lord of the Rings at the same time and all the other scenes with all the other characters would just be running normally, but then it cuts back to Frodo and Sam. He takes one step and went back. (laughs) (laughs) True, that would be good. Every single step. (laughs) I'm so I'm coming with you. For the freaking, <laughs> for the stupid YouTube edits of shit. Like I, I, there was one the other day. I think I shared it with you, Sam, where someone had edited the the film Shrek, but it was just whenever <laughs> anyone said the letter E, and that was it. And it goes for about two minutes or something. Oh like that. yeah, but it like covers the entire story yep. as well. Like you don't miss a single moment. Nope. And it's uh like I was it, I was catatonically like. I was I was fucking broken. By it's like that. a well-constructed plot and story is that you can watch it and still understand what's happening, even though they're just saying e over and over again. That, so what you're saying is that the film Shrek is a <laughs> like some kind of it's cinematic a masterpiece. It's- I mean, it really is withstanding the test of time right now. Like there yeah. is like a, I mean, a couple of friends of mine all went to a Shrek themed trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> And me, it's being propped up by memes. I will say it is definitely like mille- millennial cringe nostalgia. Yeah, like. yeah, but I also, I mean, it's been a very long time since I've watched it, and I do have a feeling it would probably hold up. It does, guarantee. It does. I can tell you, it does. I watched it the other day, but only <laughs> I've when seen they say it. the letter E. <laughs> Like Shrek is what connects us and binds us all. <laughs> like that, that was the interconnecting. For every conversation that we've had on this day together, Shrek has been the, the binding factor. <laughs> that which brings us together today, which of course is not true because we're here to talk about weddings. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Music and Everything podcast. Uh, no, that's the end of the Shrek talk. We're not talking about Shrek anymore. Well. I refuse to talk about Shrek. It might come up. Look, if it does, I apologize. <laughs> We're talking about weddings today, not marriage, but weddings. Samantha is in the hat. Hi, Samantha. How Hello. are you? I'm good. I'm Hi, good. Samantha. Nice. Hello. 
Um, have you have you been? Yeah, I've been I've been good. Thank you. How, how about you? Uh, the same. Okay, excellent. Since yes. Last we spoke, which yeah. was um, in the pre-roll. Before yeah, it the, wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was moments ago, really. Right. So weddings, though. Weddings. Okay. Mm. So I, weddings are. Uh, interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to spell out the title. <laughs> We're do this yours, is like, time. yours is like a snake has said it. Weddings. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't like it. Okay. Okey-dokey. So, weddings. We can define a wedding as like basically a ceremony of, you know, joining two people in marriage. And these ceremonies take varieties of shapes and forms and they've existed for a very, very long time. And so, We're not talking about marriage, as Jim has said. We're talking about the process of like the joining of two people. Because I think it's got it's got these really interesting historical roots and it's got these really interesting cross-cultural roots and differences, which I think speak to like the like variety of the human experience when it comes to this. Yeah, because I suppose culture to culture you're gonna have differences in what you would actually like what a marriage even means. Yes. Or like what a marriage even is. But I mean you could probably put the blanket of wedding over those binding ceremonies. Exactly. Kind of yeah, cool. Exactly. And so Right, we did it. Thanks for listening. Nice one. <laughs> Done. Easy. A wedding is a wedding. We yeah. got it. <laughs> but I think what's gonna be really interesting is um, and something that I focused on a little bit in my research for this was not just looking at like what is a wedding, what function like what what function in society does it serve but also what are the traditions and things that are associated with this practice right in our kind of western traditional wedding customs because mm. obviously we've all been through a wedding mm-hmm. two of us to each other <laughs> been through <laughs> we've all we all fucking just <laughs> we gritted our it. teeth <laughs> but we've all had a wedding ceremony and um, the the wedding that Sam and I had was very different from the wedding that you and your wife had, yes. which is very different from some of the other weddings I've been to because they're all very unique in what people decide to well, include I mean, they and not include. Can be. They I mean, can I, be. Like the thing, us in our uh, particularly secular lives, um, you know, far removed from the tradition of of, uh, of religion of any kind, really, it m- meant that we could kind of have a bespoke wedding. Like we yeah. can you know, craft it around ourselves so that they're reflections of ourselves a little bit more than somebody say who has to follow, abide the rules of a Catholic wedding. Otherwise you're living in sin. <laughs> yeah. Or just that you like, you really want that as well. Cause I mean, that could have been the thing that you want. You want the, I want the traditional wedding yeah. in my mind. I've yeah. seen movies also. Yes. Yeah. So I think the best place to start in this conversation would be to potentially to start with sort of what is the actual historical roots of our wedding customs, our Western yeah, so like, wedding yeah. customs. Because okay. yeah, like the Western wedding is like um, is also a wedding everywhere now because it's influenced and it's been yes, it's it's sort hugely of, influential on other cultures as well. Yeah, yeah, and so I kind of want to take us on a bit of a journey, kind of through like ancient sort of Western like wedding customs, through to sort of like that what we were talking about, that kind of religious, that very constrained wedding structure yeah. to sort of where we are now right. when it comes to kind of what what does a wedding look like in the 21st century? We're going back in time again. Everybody yeah. into the machine. Okay, everyone. It looks like a dryer because it's a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> so Neanderthals. When, so this is a, 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 we were talking about this yesterday. This is a really good thing to note. We can only talk about wedding customs uh, as far back as there's evidence of them. And that is... Probably, would you say ancient Greece, ancient Rome? Yeah, you were talking really that classical antiquity period because that doesn't mean that people weren't having ceremonies of yeah. union, but we just don't have any evidence of it. And so we're kind of 
it's a, it's a difficult thing to access, but we're going to be starting in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Excellent. Which is very exciting. So come on the little journey yeah, with us. Yeah, get in the dry. Get in the dryer. <laughs> okay, so Sam, you looked a lot at the the ancient aspects of. I did. So what are we what are we doing? What are we talking about? What does um, that look like? Well, I want to start with this amazing sort of section of quote from um, Karen Hirsch um, from a cultural history of marriage in antiquity because it's talking about the cult- some of the. Cr- ways in which weddings are really similar to another, even in the past. Okay. They're kind of familiar. So if you think about the themes of what she's saying here, saying that I'll just sort of, there's snippets of quotes here, but, um, you know, the seemingly most private union of matrimony usually begins in the most public fashion imaginable with a wedding ceremony. Um, for many, if not most cultures, deem their community sanction of the marital union indispensable. So I love that in terms of saying that, like, the private, it is a private union that is, it has to be announced. confirmed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I love this phrase of like the beginning of a marriage must be seen to be believed. Because mm. it's so improbable. I mean, these two. I mean, can you believe, <laughs> them? Can you believe can it? Can you believe it? But I love that because it's about the way that I think that gets to the core of something that will probably come up a lot is the fact that this the, the wedding itself is a distinct separate act to the to the marriage that mm. requires community involvement. Yeah. And that's really fascinating that I, before I read that um, sentence, really, I, I, the thought hadn't occurred to me. They're going like, oh, yeah, it's not a given at all that every culture on earth, basically, that has weddings has them as something that's publicly recognized. Mm. Mm. And that's so interesting. So another thing, of course, is about the ceremony. Because when we're talking about weddings, it, it is a ceremony. So I like rites of passage marked by a clear division from everyday routines. Mm-hmm. Which is so ceremony, that feeling of specialness. Yes. Um, like uh, usually arcane rituals, and remember she's kind of talking about Greek and, Greece and Rome here in the ancient times. Arcane rituals and costumes and a rare combination of solemnity and celebration with p- prayers to deities. But all of those things can be used to describe modern weddings. Yeah, yep. absolutely. You know, like even down to the arcane. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, totally. Mm. No, exactly, because you know, even a really secular costumes. wedding will kind of like, yeah, the cozies, yeah, mm. dressing in a particular way. Well, I never wear a fucking suit. Maybe <laughs> you know? probably should more often, actually. I disagree yeah? so okay. hard That's with fine. that, you capitalist pig dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're in the subtropics, damn it. <laughs> so what are the elements of, like, so you're saying that there's these these rituals and ceremonies, and I know from my study of ancient the ancient world that there are kind of strict practices that sort of have to be met in a certain order for things to yeah. be sort of, for it to be kind of done in the right way. Yes. Um, so Karen Hurst in this book has a sort of, um, section um, and th- the book sort of outlines uh, a sort of imagined wedding in ancient Athens. So like kind of pieces together, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and remember like the only reason why we know this is because we happen to have it written down, which is usually like one or two sources that happen to say, this is how a bride and groom should behave in my opinion. And it's historians <laughs> you know, and, and historians have to figure out what they meant and they have to look at pottery and go, oh, look, this is a pottery showing brides. Mm-hmm. And like the bridal party, and piece it together. Oh, I've yeah. seen pots that have the, that imagery on it. It's really quite stunning. Yeah. So like we're not watching like a VHS copy of of this wedding. Okay. So in ancient Athens, and we're talking about elites here. We're talking about rich, rich, richos because <laughs> they're the ones we have documentation on. Yes. Fact. Um, so we don't know about anybody else. Um, there were three celebration days. So it was over three days. Mm. Um, they're called pro alia. Uh, pro alia Gamos, which is marriage, yeah. um, and Epolia. 
uh, which is basically the day before the wedding and the day after. It's not, it's not <laughs> it's what it says on the fucking box. <laughs> so in the Proalia the day before uh-huh. um, is mostly about the bride taking a bath, um, actually, <laughs> which sounds pretty good, yeah. uh, this part. So the bride bathes in special water from a sacred spring, preferably, I assume. Right. We couldn't get the spring, sacred spring this time, my love. Uh, you're just going to have to use the the bath water that I just used. You're, gonna, <laughs> you're just going to have to share the family bath water. And it's poured from a long-necked commemorative vase called Latrophorus. It sounds like a, an adjective. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a wedding... Specific vase. Vase. Okay, that's okay. Did I say vase or you vase? You sure did. I said vase? Yeah, I was going to let you get oh, away no. with it and everything. Oh, no. American imperialism has won. <laughs> Goddamn hegemony. Um, so this is all about the bride and all the records are about the bride and that's because there's basically no records of the groom doing anything uh, because... <laughs> just hanging with the boys. Um, <laughs> the day before is about the boys. The day of the wedding is really about the boys, deep down. This is probably a good time to bring up the fact that ancient Athens was horrifically misogynist by our current standards. Um, I mean, it's a Greek compound word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they even made the word. Um, yeah, so, you know... That it is about the bride and showing the bride to be beautiful and perfect. Right. But this is still eerily familiar, but perhaps we'll return to that. And, and, um, and by that, do you also mean virginal? <clears throat> Later. The bride <laughs> and her women <laughs> offer stuff to Hera, Aphrodite, oh. and mm-hmm. to Artemis. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just because of symbols to fertility, but no, it's because they, for protection for her inevitable and impending pregnancy that she will endure and probably die from. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Um, <coughs> moving on to the wedding day. The, the music in everything. <laughs> so this is cool. So gamos means wedding, but there's also lots of words that they use for wedding. So one of them is ekdosis, meaning the handing over. All right, that's, uh, I don't like that. Mm. Yeah, but the thing that is, that said, we still do it. We still do it. Yeah, and oh, actually, yeah. that's Fuck. it's a really common. One. I was looking at like lots of different wedding ceremonies across uh, the world. Currently, yeah. there's so many common things of like some kind of giving symbolic away. giving away of the woman to the, the the groom's family to the next next uh, ownership. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the bride wears a veil uh, and a tiara. Okay, that's nice. And special sh- shoes. Um, and so there's another name for the wedding, which is Anacalypteria, the unveiling. Okay, yeah. But it's they they think the historians think that it's not a um, you know how we'd imagine now, like the you lift, un- the lift the veil before the kiss. They're like no, no, it, she remained veiled through like the whole wedding ceremony because it's meant to be that she's only shown to the husband. Mm. To, also, to the, the veil served a protective function to keep the spirits away. From like her, but also to there's a process. Gotta watch out for. Those I don't know guys. if this is Greek or Roman, but there's a process like before or after the wedding where the groomsmen or people try and steal the bride. Yes, yes, in a number of places. Yes, they try and steal the bride, and so the bridesmaids actually served a function of like deceiving who the bride was, and they all wore veils, <sighs> and then so she was veiled to protect her identity. Veils also served a function in arranged marriages. What fun. I know, what fun. What fun. Oh, the fun. Um, okay, so obviously that the veil's about a sense of chastity and that mm-hmm. she's only for the groom. Mm-hmm. So then there's wedding songs. Um, I find this really interesting because... Like Pachelbel's canon. In a lot of traditional wedding cultures, there's songs. Not Pachelbel's <laughs> canon. Um... That would be funny to sing, though, um, actually. And ritual cries of certain phrases. So there's one phrase, chirete, meaning, um, which is probably not pronounced that way, um, rejoice or slash farewell. It's a dual meaning. 
Does but it was a common Greek lighthouse. Have that is, uh, if it's a CH, it'll be a Kai. Um, a Kai rating. Yeah. So the. I love the idea of farewell and rejoice being the same word purely because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's almost like, thank fuck for that. Uh, <laughs> so long and Oh, honey, I thought you. it would never happen. It's just um, like the handing over of, here you go, jump, good luck to you. And they'd yell out hymen. Would they? Oh, at them? Yes. Um, okay, because of course that's a Greek word, isn't it? Yes, and it's a Greek word to refer to the one of the gods of marriage. It would almost be human, I guess, because why is it like the capital Y is like the human? capital version of Upsilon, I, I think. Correct me, people. Um, so, hymen has an interesting root because it's from the same root as sowing. Um, so, see. it means that the hymen, the god, would sow the couple and bring the couple together. Right. The word that we're all thinking of that we folk etymology associates with... Biological hymen. With um, virginity yes. in, a, in a bride. Oh, Yikes, wow. Right? So, that's the origin of it. Yeah, that. yeah, you're linked. But kind of and kind of not because it's just the med, uh, medical Latin came from the same root as the yeah, sewing true. thing. Yeah. But I, I I don't buy it. <laughs> I think it came from this. I think almost um, certainly it's connected in that way. Anyway, gross. So um, moving on. So they sing songs and blessings. And this is kind of cool because the songs and blessings that they would give to the bride and groom would be stuff that would lift them like in, in status. It would be like their gods, their heroes. Oh. They're like the um so the quote from from um Hirsch is temporarily elevating them beyond their normal existence. Yeah. And I'm like that is so familiar to me. Cuz like that's what we do when we when we say kind things at a wedding ceremony and the whole idea of like the western wedding where it's like we're pretending they're king and queen for for this yeah, one day. Yeah, and like celebrating the couple in with speeches and yeah, yes. that sort of shit. So, like, the familiar stuff continues. Like the father of the bride hosts a huge feast that's meant to show off uh, like be lavish, generous. Showing off kind of status sort of thing. Um, the bride's still veiled through this whole sequence, but um, also curiously, men and women didn't sit together. They all like sit, sat separately. Oh. Right. Which is, what's the point of that? Anyway, but that's, you know. <laughs> that doesn't sound like apartheid to me. So, so then they. Sounds like apartheid to me. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the handing over bit. There's a procession. And so um, from the father of the bride's house to the groom's house, yeah, the okay. groom's family house. And so they. Um, when the evening star star appears at dusk, um, the groomsmen serve as guard and te- to guard the bride from abduction. This is a continuing theme, the whole abduction thing. Mm. Um, and the they wedding were really party. Worried about it. The mother of the bride lighting the way, um, and that's why there's, again with the words to marry in Greek. There's a verb to marry in Greek, which was argo to take or lead. Right, to lead cool. to the carrier that's to the next place. It's really cool. Sick. And then they get to the groom's house. The couple are sh- showered with fruits and nuts, end quote. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly what I would want to happen. They're pulled off stage by a hook after having vegetables thrown out. Because <laughs> <laughs> fruit is symbolic of fertility. Yes. Um, and then they go off to the, the bedroom and the party goes on outside the bedroom and they keep singing and stuff. And in fact, they wake them up with like a special wake up song the day after. Aww. Um, just big yikes on, on that. Um, I love the idea, like, you know, going to the marital bed and just knowing that, like, your parents are outside singing really <laughs> loud, just making themselves known. That's uh, <laughs> hardly ideal. Sappho wrote a poetical description of a, albeit a mythical Greek wedding, so, but it feels very visceral. Important yes, to note, Sappho, known... Renowned lesbian. Yeah, what does Sappho know? What has she got to marriage? say? What is <laughs> yeah, what would she fucking know? And the flute singing sweetly was mixed along with the noise of the castanets and the maidens sang a sacred song and the divine noise rose to the sky 
And there was everywhere in the roads mixing bowls and libation cups. Myrrh and cassia and frankincense were mingled together, and all the older women cried out piercingly, and all the old men sang, <laughs> sang a delightfully high-pitched strain. What the what? fuck? Calling on Payan, the far shooter, oh, with his... <laughs> And all the old women just go, fuck! <laughs> Calling on pain, the far shooter with his lovely lyre, and they celebrated Hector and Andromache. Similar Andromache. to the god. Andromache, thank you. Similar and to Andromache. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to the gods. Okay, right. So there's an ancient I'm Athenian glad you made it wedding. That, uh, that quote. Okay, through, so through the eyes of Sappho. So there's so many. And her close friends. <laughs> and her pals are lesbians. Very good friends. Her very roommates. Very good roommates. Okay, so there's lots of elements of that that I think um, obviously translate into our wedding. So you've got things like the the aisle and the giving away of the bride. That's something that yeah. can form a part. Well, I mean, the aisle even now is like the being led part. Yes. Yeah, and then yeah. the the father handing over the bride. Like they're, they're simultaneous and the same. The same. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, you've also got sort of the costume. So obviously, the wedding garb is a very big element of that. Yeah, like the women dress as a Victorian ghost, and um, yeah. <laughs> The men dress like they have a business deal to uh, to complete. <laughs> yeah, and so all of these form functions of what a what a traditional wedding would be. And I think that I really want to critique, well, question the idea of tradition because I think that some people believe elements of a traditional wedding are ancient, like some elements yeah. are, and some are are not. Some are just simply made up things that are very very recent. Yeah, they're manufactured for the sake of capitalism. Yeah, and so, but I want to talk about them in a way that's both kind of accepting them as like okay, this is something that happens, but it's also, a cultural truth, yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of want to start off with these sort of good luck, bad luck thoughts when it comes to weddings. So what are good things that can happen on a wedding? What are bad things that can happen on a wedding? What do these all mean? Right. Bad luck example? Bad luck example. It's like Rayane. No, but <laughs> so yes, you would assume rain on your wedding day would be a bad thing, but in different cultures, rain on your wedding day is considered good luck. It rained on my wedding that day. That is and actually ironic. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> is it? <laughs> so there's a couple here that I I want to pull out. I've got quite a few in front of me. So one of them was uh, in Greek cultures, they thought that you should sh- um, tuck a sugar cube into your glove so the the women would wear gloves to their wedding, um, as it'll sweeten the union. Uh, also be yeah. really crunchy against your skin. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. The other one that I was like absolutely no was like the English believed finding a spider in your wedding dress means good luck. They're clearly talking <sighs> about English spiders, <laughs> not our spiders. Yeah, like finding <laughs> a finding big, a- big old fucking plate-sized huntsman in <laughs> wedding dress. Yeah. Like, that's uh, considered a, a sign from the devil. That's um, why the old women were screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Their high-pitched scream. <laughs> Um, and so the other one that I, I really like is the um, the groom carrying the bride over the threshold. Yes. That's a very classic imagery that we when we think of weddings, that's a very classic Which one. Which is once again another handover symbolism. Yes. Yeah. It was thought that it's going to protect her from evil spirits. They were really concerned about abductions and evil spirits. I think that they're probably putting her up on a bit of a pedestal there. I don't think <laughs> well, she no, was no. at that much risk of abduction. <laughs> if you're asking me. But it's I mean, she it. looks great, but honestly... <laughs> <laughs> it's all part oh, of the, it's all part of the same symbolism though isn't it because it's a part of like of trying to compliment the bride in a way trying to show how beautiful the bride is that how she's so wanted. pure that we need to protect her yeah. from, from she's brigands. so desirable yeah from Trojans. she's so valuable yes <laughs> in, oh god 
Well, yes. to, okay, go on. The music. <laughs> um, in Holland, they actually have a tradition which I really like, which is they plant a pine tree outside the newlyweds' home as a symbol of luck and fertility, but they just plant a tree out the front of your home for your just wedding like, day. Right in front of the door. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to Good luck cuts. Like, yeah. <laughs> got him. And then one of the classic uh, bad luck ones is like, don't get married near an open grave. And to me, that's like, yeah, don't, that sounds like a good plan, actually. <sighs> when the, the papers are signed, good. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> You fucking put the image in my head, man. Okay. What am I supposed to so what, do? What, with talk that? to me of bad luck. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> you walk under a ladder. Honestly, the, there were throw a black hat. There weren't a lot of bad luck ones. There were just a couple of. Um, well, I mean, one of the bad luck ones, like in the traditions, like Italian and Jewish traditions, where they break glass. If it mm. if it doesn't break very well, that's not a very good sign. Not a great sign. No, but like because the thing is, what what holds a marriage together is strong heels. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're um, weak in the ankles, it's not going to last. But I, I love the fact that like predominantly all of the ones that were bad luck were very much about um, sort of like the husband seeing the bride before the ceremony type yeah. thing, like all of those classic tropes. It was like, you can't be together the day before because that's bad luck. It brings evil spirits, all of that. Very concerned. Again, spirits were a very big concern. Well, you can't mess with those guys. You can't mess with them. And so- Certainly not when you're trying to do something. But again, like this is, this is a ceremony culturally where it's about something that's supposed to be permanent. Yes. So it's meant to be a un- like this union for life, and it's in when you put it out in spiritual terms, it's even bigger. So, of course, every culture that has approaches this has this great solemnity to the point of being having an enormous amount of magical thinking. Yeah, <laughs> and there's quite a lot of like. So you're talking about like the bath, the bride that the, has the bath before. Yeah. The day before there's a lot of cultural, and I'm sure you've probably got examples of this as well. A lot of cultures where the bride goes through some form of ritual. So as to be safe. So in um in uh, Middle Eastern brides, they would paint henna on their hands and feet to protect themselves from the evil eye. That's a very common one. Yeah, no, in parts of India as well, that's a that's a thing. They're doing the henna on the feet. Yeah, ritualistic hennaing of the feet. Very cool. For the bride. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, Indian weddings are some of the most like like colorful weddings you've yeah. ever seen. And this is, I think, a really interesting thing to get into. So we were talking about the costumes. That's another one that kind of comes back yeah. to the ancient route. Hmm. So um, how long do you think the white wedding dress has been around for as a, as a custom? Uh, oh, geez. I, I can't guess. Dollar, dollar 50, 150. 150 BC? Or no, 150 AD? years. 150 <laughs> years. $1.50 ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not. Yeah. I can't guess because I know. You know the answer. Okay. So it was Queen Victoria who started the tradition in 1840. So you were actually not far off. What the fuck? Yeah, you were not far off. I was just Crushing swinging. It. So before Queen Victoria in the Western tradition, um, before that, you would simply wear the best dress you owned. You actually wouldn't wear like a separate dress. It would just be something you had. Yeah. It would just be something you had. You just dress nicely to your own wedding. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it was. And you would, some would wear like a light, you would wear a light colored dress typically, but if you didn't have one, you would just, you would just wear whatever you had. Yeah. And then Queen Victoria wore a full white dress to her wedding. Ruined everything for everyone. 
Yeah, I mean, basically. I had a realization the other day. I saw a statue of Queen Victoria and I kind of just realized she kind of looks a lot like Gru from Despicable Me. And that um, <laughs> has unfortunately stuck with me. So now I mean, that's what I wrong, see. I'm, cor- I'm, cor- yeah. I'm not saying that I'm weird. I'm saying yeah. I'm correct and it's upsetting. So why did Vicky Regnus, um, yes. sorry, Regina, um, wear the white dress? It was actually a frugal option. Because it wasn't lavishly dyed. Oh, so it was like a humble It was a brag. humble thing. But it's now become a high status thing. That's so, so wearing funny. something that's like a... Because it was like... Putting this, it on the queen was a surefire way to achieve that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, I mean, it obviously had the deeper implications of purity and, and virginalness <laughs> and all of that. It's can't help but keep coming back to fucked up shit. But I mean, okay, so let me just interrupt here with a little etymology um, break. Uh, is that like the word that we have for openness, honesty, and truth, as in being candid, uh, comes from the Latin candida, which means white. Um, so there you yeah. fucking have it, people. It's been around for a while. Yes. And so uh, the royal family actually on the, on the whole have actually – influenced wedding dress style and custom since Queen Victoria. Mm. So what fabrics the dresses are made out of, sort of how lavish the dresses are, and now in modern times the idea that you would have a wedding dress and then a reception dress. Because like the <laughs> because what you really want in a wedding dress is to dress up as someone who's marrying uh, a close family member. Yes, um, exactly. That's, that's, like, like, that's exactly the what example you want to think being of. Said. <laughs> No, I agree. Was she queen at the time? Yes, she was queen at the time. Oh, so, Wait, she, so she, she was ascended as a as a as an unmarried woman. As an I unmarriedable so. woman. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say bachelor, but they That's don't use no, no, that I word. No, no, I think this is the case. And do you know why? Do you know why I know this? Yeah, please tell me. Because I was watching the Great British Bake Off. Oh yes, and they had a whole bit about it. Yeah, and that's the only reason <laughs> that I know. <laughs> So, yeah, I just want to quickly say that the white symbolism of the white dress is like, obviously it's not universal because it doesn't all come from the same root as the, you know, this the word candid. So, for example, in Indian weddings, um, red is really, really common to wear for brides. as well. Yeah. And then that's because um, white is actually culturally associated with um, widowhood. So oh. like literally so the, like opposite the opposite of white. Yeah, you know, so you would need the Italian, Italian, yeah. the Italian yeah. mourner or the, you know the the grandmother that's wearing black one. forever yeah, essentially. The Greek yeah, the widow who wears black. Exactly. For 40 days yeah, yeah, or something yeah. Like wearing that. the absence of color. Wow, yeah. that's really fascinating, and I think that's a really good um, sort of spot to to talk about these sort of. That is a key difference between a lot of wedding customs across the world is the color that the bride wears, because every culture has their own connotations with color so in our culture white is like is has become the color of the bride because of these sort of like ideas of clean pure sort and of those are all beauty. reverse justifications for they're all reverse justifications for like just doing something that the vicky did yeah and like Reg. i i broke that tradition i didn't wear an all-white dress to no. my wedding i wore white i mean green. either actually you would have looked great, though. I wore a suit. The thing is, though, I looked a lot like I knew where I could get cocaine. And the fact is, I don't. Um, That's good to know. Officer. Yeah. And like, the, <laughs> but I think the big difference is, like, if you wear a bow tie, I feel like you look less like you know how to get cocaine. So okay. that's how you soften the suit. <laughs> just a little bit. Anyway, just a little that's aside a, from me. That's a good tip, actually. Some yeah. tip for the men out there listening. Yeah. Um, I like to help. 
Yeah, so as you already mentioned, in Indian weddings, red is a very classic color. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of South um, East Asian countries, also red is a very classic bridal color as well. Mm-hmm. Did you find in your research of other cultures any other colors being very prominent in the bridal? Oh, I found, um, I don't remember who, uh, damn it, um, but like black sometimes. So this is a, a good example of how oh. it could be direct opposite, where mm. if you wore black to a wedding in like Australia, that would be like <laughs> like, who are you about to murder? Like, do you want to piss somebody off? I know somebody who wore black. It was Sick. her third wedding and she was in her 60s. So she was like, That's fuck dope. it, I'm wearing black. And I'm like, That's great. go off, queen. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because you. That's what people said to Victoria as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, this is another thing is like, if you were, if it's your second marriage, if you've been divorced or you've been widowed, it is not considered appropriate for you to be wearing white. By whom? By culture. <laughs> by Women's Weekly? Like, by who's deciding society? this? No, like, but, like, but this is the point, right? It's yeah. like that's something that is like almost like assumed knowledge. Everyone sort of knows that. Yet where did it come yeah, from? It, Actually, it's enough in the community consciousness that you would have a neighbour going. Yeah. <laughs> tut, tut, but like tut. this is like we should talk about all the these um like modern traditions and like Yes. So like so that's the white wedding dress. Yes. Um what about stuff like the um like the rings. Oh, the rings are a really interesting thing because rings, I mean, we're all wearing wedding bands uh, and we're all wearing them on our ring finger, our fourth finger on our left hand, mm-hmm. right? That is not. Is that, do you consider that a fourth? Is your thumb a finger? Your thumb is a thumb. Oh, my God. Is your thumb a finger? Your thumb is a finger. It's my, it's my big, second if I hold it this way. <laughs> is, my, is, my big, is my big toe a finger? No, it's a toe. Well, please clarify. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know. Okay, so. The re- there's a there's a incorrect assumption that the reason we wear our ring on the ring finger is because it's the finger that has a vein directly to the heart. All your veins go to your heart. <laughs> I've never heard that. You've that never is heard so that? Fucking stupid. Oh my god. Okay, so because all, all of veins way- go to your fucking heart. Like, but also, what, what do you think? The rest yeah. of the fingers have veins that go like <laughs> to your butt, to, <laughs> via the anus. <laughs> to your heart. It's just like a quick yeah. detour to the fucking taint yeah. and then back up to the heart. It's hole. called the vena amoris. The vein of love, but it's been disproven. But it's a romantic thing, so it persists. <laughs> but ah! also, that like if it's this is an old thing. If it is an old thing, then the um they wouldn't have had that knowledge of vascular systems anyway. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry, I might be picking the wrong problem. I Go think on. you are. Picking, okay, but you reach. You, you hit a really important point. Rings are ancient. People have been exchanging rings as a symbol of connection since the ancient Egyptians. No shit. They had. Oh, it always comes back to those guys. Yeah, those guys yeah, are dude. everywhere. The pharaohs wore them and they represented eternity and they would often be, um, you know, the, uh, I, I'm going to say this to you, like, you know, the um, Ouroboros, the snake eating yeah, its own Yeah, the Ouroboros, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was typically the ring that they would wear. A snake eating its own a, tail. A snake eating its own tail. Interesting. As a symbol of eternity. for me, that's a metaphor for being up your own asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually the ancient Egyptians that started the wedding tradition of wearing it on your Ring finger on your left hand. Right. So this is all just because Ramesses the second yeah. did it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he wore a white dress too. <laughs> so, okay. so we basically did, didn't we? Let's now split this conversation. Holy in, shit. <laughs> let's now split this into two different things. So in our culture, there are two distinct rings that are associated with the wedding. Yep. The engagement ring uh, and the wedding band. And the ring of power, yes. And then there's, there was a third ring. <laughs> but, but there were all of them deceived. <laughs> okay. So... In the ancient times in Middle Ages, um, so, so obviously ancient Egypt, they had rings, but only really the wealthy did that. 
the pharaohs. On account of it being jewellery. On account of it being jewellery. And then you sort of get in the Middle Ages, in order for a marriage to occur, you basically just had to, like, publicly declare that you were married and then it was done. I declare... Marriage. Yeah. But what about a priesty boy? Do you need Didn't happen until the 12th century. I love the... Really? The 12th century was when the church actually started getting really fussy about what That's where the church wanted to inject themselves into other people's bedrooms for the first time. (laughs) Jim. Still fucking doing it is all I'm saying. And so what happened was they kind of established (laughs) the marriage as a holy sacrament which required officiation. So it required a ceremony, yeah. and a part of that ceremony included an exchanging of rings. Interesting. So this day used to be about you, but today I want it to be about me. Yeah, but what that <laughs> Father tells <Patrick>. me, <laughs> what that tells me, though, is that people were clearly exchanging rings before this point. Because why, yeah. if, if that's a, yeah. if they're, they're, ceremony, they're, 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 they're making a ceremony out of a practice that was already being performed, essentially. Yeah. And so, so this exchanging of rings was, was happening beforehand but not perhaps for the reasons we exchange rings, which is a gesture of commitment and love. Mm-hmm. Engagement rings originally, well, not originally, but on, on, for the most part were used essentially as a payment. Or like a down payment. Yeah, like a, like a yeah. Yikes. Like, wait, so is this like a dowry-esque thing? It was basically, yeah. This. So basically it was a, a form, it was used as a way to prove their worth and show legal commitment and acted as a form of payment like, giving the goats, but you would give a ring. It's a deposit. It's basically part of the dowry to say, I am wealthy enough to earn your child. <sighs> but... But that's also why the, the cultural lineage of the engagement ring then is that they're a diamond that, and or something that is meant to show no. value. Oh, we'll get there. No, no, no. <laughs> Just you bloody wait. engagement rings were bands of metal. Metal bands. Metal, gold, <laughs> silver... Bands. Yay. And then wedding rings, especially for the wealthy, were jewel-encrusted okay. and decorative. That so doesn't make inverse. any sense. I mean, it okay. doesn't, none of it makes any fucking <laughs> sense, dude. So you have this inverse. So the engagement rings in our culture, the, the engagement ring is often the one that's sparkly, diamondy, whatever. It's the one with stone. And then you have a very plain, solemn band, typically. Yes. There are people who do other bands. They have pave bands, which are like diamond-encrusted yeah. ones. But that's the typical structure. You have a scar band. If you have like, if you like, if the wedding band is like, if the wedding, the thing is, if the wedding band only knows 10 songs, you're in for a time. Like, you know, you got to, you got to vet that, you know, and you want some high energy stuff, but you also don't want to have your first dance to like madness or or sort of the more intense side of split ends. What are Um, we talking about? Okay. So drawing us back, you mentioned the diamond ring. It does sound great. Okay. So you mentioned the diamond ring. Yes. We can blame Queen Victoria for this again. Oh, what the fuck was she up to, dude? So... Being a fashion icon, apparently. I mean, clearly. So diamond rings during the Victorian era um, sort of became the must-have trend. And this actually was also coincided with a a marketing campaign. Oh, yeah. um, Where they basically... Oh, this is the capitalist side of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So basically, the whatever the... I can't... I didn't write that down the name of the diamond company, but they essentially did like a Diamonds Are Forever type campaign. The only ring you can and should give. But this was in the late 19th century they did this. So like the the late 18, 1800s, they started marketing diamond rings as the engagement ring stone. Before this, you could have a variety. I mean, my engagement ring has like sapphires on it. Um, and I like, or it would just be like clatter rings were a very common one as well. So it would just be intricately 
um, like a design on designed it. medals yeah. and things. Um, but also, so engagement rings were being given in this time period, but they weren't being given by everybody. Oftentimes you would just agree to being engaged get married and then you would have your wedding band. Mm. You wouldn't have this engagement ring. There are other cultures that um, engage in sort of ring exchanges. Certain cultures, they both exchange rings. We'll get into that later. But what happens is World War II. What inevitably happens in World War II. <laughs> and this is where the always ends modern engagement ring tradition starts because men were going off to war and they wanted to promise their sweetheart that they would be back and they wanted to make a commitment to her so they would give them an engagement ring. They would be like, when I get back, we're getting married. That is tragic, yeah. Yes, because not a lot of them came back. Um, yeah. But what it, what it did mean was you had this beginning of basically you have to provide a symbol of your commitment to the woman. But also on the other hand, the men started wearing wedding bands at war to remember their partners at home. Right. And so you had this dual thing where oh. women started wearing engagement rings and men started wearing wedding bands before this, men wouldn't wear wedding bands oh, wow. that often. It would only be like really, really high, like wealthy men who would wear the bands. And even then, not not always. It was not expected of them. Mm. Fascinating. It's kind of interesting as well that that's, that's a really quite genuinely romantic it's, turn in this discussion. It's where really pretty much everything is everything we've discussed so far has just been like all oh, the different and colourful ways in which we've purchased women in the past. Yeah, like, it's essentially a <laughs> transactional agreement. It's like, like the first thing that we've come across that's actually like, oh, that was a change because that appears to be dedication to another human person. <laughs> yeah, and it, and I, I love it because it it sort of also triggers the like there was intense romanticism in that time period because there was so much there was so much going on in the world. And I just love the idea that without this this moment, we wouldn't have these wedding these wedding ring traditions of exchanging a wedding band and each person wearing that band the entire time. Mm. Unless you obviously worked in like, you know, a factor or something where like your ring could get. Oh Lord. <laughs> we're not oh even, goodness. We're not gonna the go, imagery. We're not going to go down there. So you get to, so just, bef just before World War II, you have this this woman. Emily Post. Thought you were going to say Queen who Victoria. Who writes a book. <laughs> who writes a book about etiquette. Right. And in this book about etiquette, we have basically the codification of a lot of bullshit. What's the book called? The, uh, oh, did I even write it down? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sorry. Oh, I, my God. Oh, I didn't write it down. Fascist. Oh, I'm really sorry. I think it's called The Blue Book of Social Etiquette. Okay. I think that's what it's called. The Little Blue Book. I think that's what it's called. Oh, my God. I thought I wrote it down. I feel so silly. But what she says, one, she's the reason we have anniversary gifts, which we're going to get into. But, two, she also is – she has this tradition – so let me, let me wind back. When you proposed to your wife mm -hmm. and when you proposed to me – you both had rings on you at the time, yes? Yeah, I just found mine. Yeah, you just like rummaged <laughs> in. I actually took it off a woman that I was, you know, like, I was on the way there. I'm like, you know what? That one looks good. Can I? No, right. no. But you I'll, proposed with a ring. I did. Emily Post was like, don't do that. That's so trashy. That's, that's so kitsch. So oh my God. Because she's like, you have to consult the woman. Because you don't know what her taste could be. Oh, because in actually... this time you were proposing to someone that you didn't necessarily know very well. Ma'am? Oh, yeah. <laughs> May I ask you a question? No. And so I bought pastries from you for two days. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> <sighs> but I, 
It's a really thing, romantic the thing story. That I love, <laughs> the thing that I loved about her book in relation to engagement rings is she was very much like take propose and take her ring shopping. That's the best way to do it. And we actually now have a culture and a practice around engagement rings where couples will go ring shopping before the proposal so that the prospective partner can figure out what the why it's a whole thing it seems insane to me but it's a whole thing, but the thing okay, sending so elaborate cues basically I, like, I, I like green i feel like it's kind of <laughs> cool because yes that's sort of like a modern understanding of of relationships where it's like we actually talk to each other about shit and it's like a, a proposal doesn't necessarily come as a big surprise. I like that element of it. Well, because all you have to do is watch like a, you know, public proposal from it's like, you know, dude in the middle of the freaking basketball court at a massive game on TV, kneels down and she just like dies inside and goes, no, thank you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and it's the worst punishing cringe you can possibly experience. Like that's a surprise. Whereas like, you know, the, the understanding between a couple, you know, if you've talked about it, you got to know, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it doesn't it doesn't take away from the surprise of the moment. Like I knew when I no. was going to I knew because we exchanged rings. Well, the thing is because yeah, exactly. We Sam and I exchanged engagement rings. Um so Which is very So in order for her to do that, she ha- had to say before we went on this little hike to a spot to be like, <clears throat> you might want to bring the thing because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it oh, sort yeah. of ruins the sort of like sparky surprise. Because well, uh, see, the, the, like all I mean to highlight just how that the moment doesn't change despite knowing about it. I knew for a fact that I was going to get a yes. Yes. You know, like we hadn't planned it together, but I knew it was going to be yes. Obviously, we talked about that sort of thing in the past, and yet when I go to give my little fucking cringe speech <laughs> and make the proposal shat myself like I was absolutely terrified physically literally shat myself uh, <laughs> oh my it god was, uh, it was it was a mess she loved it um <laughs> <laughs> okay so back to the engagement ring the thing that i like <laughs> just on that note anyway for the love of god back to engagement but the thing that i like the most is she put in the largest font and in capital letters the engagement ring is not essential for the validity of the betrothal she was trying to make a fucking point she's like you know what yeah, get an engagement ring. But just so you know, boys, that doesn't invalidate what you were trying to do here, and I respect it. I respect that. Um, she also said it's like a wedding ring is a requirement of the mar- marriage service, but the engagement ring is merely evidence that he proposed marriage and she said yes. That's all it is. That's the only function it serves in her kind of like... Con- Wonderful world. Okay, so you said that she was the one responsible for the uh, anniversary gift thing. Because you, you know the anniversary gifts where it's like... Oh, don't be silly. What did you get that for? Year two is X. Like, we, it's oh, paper. Yeah. And then, paper, wood. Yeah, paper, wood, sin. No, isn't it, um, well, isn't leather. it leather? <laughs> paper, wood, leather. Leather, because um, you've got to spice things up after loose, a while. used colostomy bag. <laughs> Actually, I have a whole list on my phone. Yeah, and it's like, just people, people just recite this stuff as okay. if it's just, like, a given. Just Nine like, oh, no, no, it's paper, like... God has written this. And I'm like, it was written by this woman. Emily Post. <laughs> well, she codified it. Let me let me just... Nine years is a cracked camera lens. Uh, <laughs> let me just quickly, quickly, quickly find... 12 is uh, lint from the dryer. 13 is lint from your belly button. Uh, <laughs> okay. So... Have you done a broken cracked mirror in yet? This- <laughs> okay. So gift giving on a wedding anniversary is an old tradition. It dates back to the medieval period. 
And in the Holy Roman Empire, husbands would give their wives a sil- silver garland on their 25th anniversary and a golden wreath. Why are you giggling over there? Because <laughs> yes, I thought you were going to say Neanderthals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have evidence of that. But okay. Okay. I wish we did. 25th anniversary, right? Yeah. Can I ask, mm-hmm. who's making that in that period? Well, they were getting married very young. True. Fair point. You can live a long time. Yeah. And on their 50th wedding anniversary, they would get a gold wreath. That's the one that I'm like, who is making it that long? Sure, they do. Okay. So, in the 1920s, obviously, Emily Post is an American. She wanted to solve the issue of what gifts should or should not be given on the occasion of an anniversary. Of course, because everything must have a should or should not. Yeah, 100%. In her book, she only included the first year, the fifth year, the 15th year, the... 20th year. Oh, so wait, not the... Who came up with the second of two to four? Like, Just give me a hot second. Just, just Jesus, God, okay. fuck. So, the first year anniversary is paper. <sighs> right? The fifth is wood. The tenth is tin. The fifteenth is crystal. The twentieth is china. Twenty-fifth is the silver. Country, <laughs> yeah. And then um, that's where she ended. She ended at 25. The whole point of this is that the material gets harder the longer you've been together. Harder as in more difficult or harder as in Does, physically as in, as in harder? physically more right. dense and, and more... more. Because it was like physically harder, it's just like harder to maintain or to, <laughs> you know, you've got like dark it's, matter for your 50s. Okay, so <laughs> it was... Um, the Tesseract. It was meant to symbolise your relationship getting stronger not the marriage getting more difficult. So, yeah, like if someone who's been married for a year is essentially you're on thin fucking ice. <laughs> you're le- the, our dedication to another is thin as this piece of rippable I also paper. love the fact that she was like 25 years. I'm sure that's long enough. That's it. That's yeah, the actually, end yeah, it. Our marriage is as strong as the divorce papers that have already been printed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she, then in the front drawer of your desk. To answer your question, in 1937, the American National Retail Jeweler Association added the Additional years to the list, including all years up to the 14th year of marriage. So this is, again, another incidence like the diamonds, commercialization, because yeah. they could profit off of this. So The third I'm year run, is McDonald's. <laughs> I'm going to run through now the first 10 years. Okay. This is what... Stop it. Hungry is on the way home. How long have you and your wife been married? 10 years. So okay, I've so missed all the You've boats. missed all of these. This is what you, you need to make up for Which one now. of them is boat? <laughs> None. Fuck. Okay, Sam. And we're we're up to our coming up to our fourth year. Third yes, year. Yes, fourth. Fourth. Okay, I I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so first year is paper. The second year is cotton. Third year is leather. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> fourth year is linen or silk. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Fifth comfy. year is wood. We know. Sixth year is candy. So this is an ordinal. <laughs> Seventh year is wool. This is an ordinal, not linear scale, because in terms of hardness, we just we went from linen to wood. Like, in <laughs> one <then> step. <laughs> and then from wood to candy. I could have yeah, hard boiled work? lollies. Because um, yeah, what okay. do they mean by candy? Because you know how Americans they mean hard, they, hard lollies. A boiled Like the Australian boiled use sweets. of the word candy. Yeah. Mm. In the eighth year, salt. Okay. The ninth year, copper. And the tenth what? year is tin. Tin, because so, it just sounds like it's just a New Zealand person saying tin. What's really interesting about this is on this site that I have and on most sites, that's the traditional themes and now there's modern equivalents of that, which yeah, are okay. insane. 
Okay, now, but you said the magic word. Traditional. Said, traditional. Traditional from the 20s. <laughs> from, from the, the 20s. 1920s. And not, was this some cultural phenomenon? No, this it's this woman, woman writing something down and now everyone going, oh, you've got to get them this. As if, like, I've it done something wrong. It has to be that. You've been married <laughs> for 13 years. Yeah. Purchase so... the woman an albatross. You, you <laughs> absolute fascist. Okay, so, like, we're coming up to our fourth year of yep. marriage. So that means in terms of modern themes, you need to be buying me an electrical appliance. Oh, all right. Well, that's mm. actually, that's, that's translated well to the modern age, I think. Yeah. yeah. Being that, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving um, on. But anyway, so th- uh, what's really fascinating as well is that like you go like, you know, lace, ivory, crystal. Ivory? Ivory. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh literally illegal. Yes. <laughs> it's like good fucking luck. Married for that long, you're happy to go under the table for this. Like the seven, I love this. If you've been married 17 years, <laughs> furniture. <laughs> yeah. Just we, get her a fucking by couch. Then we need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Things worn out as fuck. I'm sorry, that's really funny. Well, thank um, you for sharing this existential so, yeah, horror that's, that's with us. Thank I you think for that. that it's, but I think it's really funny because people buy into it but okay so so, so here's here's my thing do it you do know it. it's like it's why not it's, it's fucking it's yeah. adorable i would like you know years ago would have gone like they can reject all things um <laughs> but like instead of that what i'm gonna do is not do those things and allow anyone else to do whatever the fuck they want i also have seen people do really cute things with it so like for paper they've like printed out a reservation that they've made to like a holiday destination and that's the paper gift it's very sweet. but it's actually kind of a symbol of the other present that they've given that's creative but also like or they've made like little like um photo books of like their first few years oh, together yeah. which i think is a sweet thing like there's sweetness to these gifts you can make them really lovely and honestly sometimes when you've been together a while having somebody else give you an idea is helpful well yeah this is actually kind of a sweet point about traditions in the sense that if you think that like we don't know in our everyday lives without looking into stuff whether a tradition is something someone wrote down in 1920 or something that people have been doing for 700 years. And kind of that is kind of a point about the legitimacy of traditions. It's not to say all traditions are wrong because that's obviously wrong because mm-hmm. they have a huge meaning to everybody, inc- inclusive of the 1920 one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like... Yeah, I guess it's just like yeah, there's a certain, certain kind of why not like if in terms of like does it, does it harm anybody? Like, is it a tradition, old tradition that's like, oh, yes, and here's the bit where we, the, the bride is slapped in front of the <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Well, and that brings me on to another really classic trope when it comes to, like, sort of brides. And I feel like there's a lot of rules about being a bride in a wedding. You've got a lot of customs upon you. Mm. One of them being the something old, something new, oh. something borrowed, yeah. and something blue. Who came up with that nice little rhyme? The problem is no one knows where it started because okay. oh. all we have is, like, basically the, the poem. But and there's it rhymes, a li- therefore it is yeah, true. <laughs> Factual. There's a name for that bias. I don't remember what it is. But also there, it, there's more to it than that. So let me, let me I'd f- again, I'm doing No idea really what that could good. be. Um, so what it's meant to represent, something old is meant to be ties to the past, something new, bright future ahead, and then it's like something borrowed is meant to be borrowed from another married couple. Like a um, piece of bad advice. Honey, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, you're going to regret it. And then in, in sort of like a, a slightly different take, something blue was meant to be a symbol of purity. But this also ends, so they think that it's from old, it's an old English rhyme. Um, and it ends with, and a sixpence in your shoe. 
All right. So there's an added line that we've all just kind of got. <laughs> like, get rid you know, of that. You know, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and keep a knife in your sock for self-protection. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in, in case. case you're kidnapped. But yeah. I think that... Oh, um, spirits. <laughs> the spirits will abduct you. And I think that's an example of one that has just been said f- so long mm-hmm. that we've all just sort of gone... Whatever that must be. It must be. be, it yeah. must be this here. is because it, I guess this is what I was trying to get at. Is that at the end of the day, traditions are voluntary, like just like yeah. any social yeah, thing. I, it's in funny because we were poo pooing the idea of it being like traditional because it's written down by someone like in yeah. the 1920s. But at the same time, you can have family traditions that are only for you and your immediate family that yeah. develop and become as real as something else. And they matter. Yeah. You know? Exactly like Christmas traditions. Yeah. I just feel like I don't like the idea of anyone telling me what to do ever. Uh, so yeah. I find it frustrating to read things yeah. like that. So Sam, you, Very looked reasonable. At, you looked at other cultural traditions yes. and customs. And I want to connect this with some of the stuff you were saying about the Western ones because mm-hmm. I want to talk about um, groom's parties, bridal parties. Yes. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually I want to ask you first, like um, just to flip this back on oh, you. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, like, is there, a, is there a sort of history to that that we know? Like, because there's variations upon variations of groom's parties and viral parties. So the problem with, like, the kind of, like, understanding the historical roots of things like bridal parties, groom's parties, and their respective traditional events that occur is that, like, some... We, we assume that basically it's, a, it's an ancient thing of, like, you would have your either closest friends or family members support you um, through this, I think in, in the ancient Greek context that when you ran through it, the bridesmaids were just other young women in your sort of family circle. Mm. Um, and they were people who you were kind of close to. I think now they are a selection of close friends and family and all of that. But, um, I think they've just culturally been around for a very, very long time. Yeah. Cause there's often the phrase of just like the, the idea of the groom's party and the best man is meant to def- defend yeah, they're, basically. Yeah. They're, they're Which, a fight off some form of abduction. In fairness, does sound a lot like the description of the the groom's uh, party in ancient Greece. <laughs> so didn't you say they, de- they formed like a defense? Yeah, yeah, for the procession from mm. the bride to the to the new house. Yeah, wow. Um, so there's some kind of fun ones that I, I came across with in terms of like uh, some different um, also European traditions about um, groom's parties and what they do. Um, and you know, one of them is is in Italy. So it's only in parts of Italy, I think, but. Um, it's a, it's basically a, a kind of party they throw out uh, outside of the bride's house. Um, so they, they, they <laughs> when she the least house. expects it, they they party there with family and friends until the bride arrives. I um, mean, this is I think it happens before the wedding, like possibly right. on a different day, um, <laughs> and they're just having a party outside, um, and then they serenade. So it is known the party is known as a serenade. Oh! A high pitched shriek, a serenaded voice. Um, And so the groom has to sing to the bride, of course, but all of them sing. And it's to seduce her and out and to convince her. And then after his song, that's the end of the party. Then they go. Oh, uh, that's it. That's like, well, Bucks night. He sings something, and everyone's like, "Well, you fucking ruined it." That's, <laughs> Could you imagine if that was a Bucks night? You go to the bride's, you go to your prospective bride's house, you throw a party, sing a you bunch then of songs, sing a bunch of songs, and, and then, then fuck off. That sounds way more wholesome than most Bucks parties. That though. is true. Yes. <laughs> and then there's the kidnapping ones. So yeah, there's so many kidnapping. There's so ones. many kidnapping ones. This is really <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Why do we do this? Okay, so there's there the German bri- one. Oh, I Germans. Um, okay. There's the German one, and so it's the bridal party kidnaps bride. 
Yes. Oh, classic. So they, you know, they take her out, I guess, um, on the town from bar to bar. Oh my goodness, she's been kidnapped. A forced bachelorette. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like pretend. It's like you know, like they elect a speaker in the House of Representatives. That's a really obscure reference, but they um drag them to the front of the. Yeah, that's not really appropriate. Anyway, okay, cool. That's so a reference that you get. Um, <laughs> maybe a listener would understand. Um, and it has it has supposed roots to this. Um, really fucked up thing, um, which okay. I should say isn't actually real. It's a piece of literary fiction. Okay, good. Um, called the Rite of the First Night, uh, in which nobles and clergy of the Middle Ages in Germany had right over um, prospective wives of other people on the uh, before the wedding night. That's um, uh, interesting. So, hence the abduction. However, it's that was not true. But the uh, faux abduction um, hens nights are. Um, and I actually think that there are still modern hens nights that start with like the bride being like essentially kidnapped. Like I think that's the thing that people do. Um, and Romania as well, actually. I know um, that the Greek, the the Russian Orthodox also have some form of kidnapping. Yeah, so it has to be like a bride kidnapping while the groom is not paying attention. So this sounds really, this one sounds fun. Like, so the groom is not <laughs> paying attention. The bridal party have to like take her somewhere, somewhere else, which says so that they just take her to out on the town or something. He has to then find them. And then, but the groom then has to negotiate <laughs> <laughs> for her release. But they have to, they, and the bridal, the kidnappers, suppose they have to show evidence like a shoe or something that they have her. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, this honestly that, sounds the, great. These are like joint bachelor, bachelorette parties of your dreams, right? There's like the whole fun thing is just like, we're going to pretend like we've kidnapped your prospective wife and then well, you've you got to come and out. like find us. And it's like a big It genuinely hunt. sounds fun as fuck. <laughs> it sounds so fun. And in Bavaria and Western Austria, there's a tradition where they uh, wake the bride up uh, on wedding day, first thing in the morning with um, firecrackers or guns. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> gun, gun, gun. Today's your day. Um, yeah, anyway. Congratulations. I'm wow. very happy for so you. So that's, that's some stories about different uh, grooms and bridal party that fun. That is very so cool. fun. I mean, because again, the bachelor, bachelorette party, bucks, hens, whatever you want to call it, stags and does, whatever you want to call it. It sounds like it's something that's been going on for a very long time. Can, can I ask that? I mean, like, okay, so the tone of that sort of fun negotiating for your wife back from the <laughs> bridal party thing, all of that has that fun celebratory, reeling celebration tone to it. Um, yeah, I used to sing at a lot of weddings uh, as a kid, singing in like a church choir and stuff like that. And a great deal of those weddings, Christian weddings, had a like a silent solemnity mm. to them. I mean, there was like some applause and whatnot at the end. Uh, briefly, after a very reserved a smooch um, upon the conclusion of the uh, of the the ceremony, but like there there wasn't that tone of like whoop here we go it's it's such a, look at these people hey they're great it was all about like there is a third person in this marriage and it's Jesus Christ and I hope you bought him a cuck chair because he'll be there in the bedroom with you. <laughs> at every point at every oh turn. Yeah, I feel like the the traditional sort of like Christian wedding has decided to take all of the least fun elements of a marriage a wedding process and <laughs> just, just put it all in one ceremony yeah. and then call it quits and that's it. That's the that's the day because I've been to a couple of uh religious weddings particularly. They are long. There are hymns. Yeah, there, there are, are hymns. readings. And there I, are like, and then the best part is where the guy who's not allowed to get married gives a speech about it, and it's like, "Cool, man, thanks for all your help. <laughs> <laughs> That's great." Yeah. Um, 
I didn't I didn't read too much into that aspect of it because it, it is very structured and it's because of the sort of like the solemnity and the sort of sacrament nature of the marriage basically yeah. forces upon it. Yeah, because they have like, the, the spiritual tone. And of course, like Christianity does have kind of like an elevated dramatic tone to it that mm-hmm. is kind of reflected in all of that. Whereas I suppose some of the religions might be a little bit more, uh, yay, celebratory and exciting, but who knows? Well, it's actually really funny because I was just thinking like, um, I was looking at these other cultures, weddings and like Indian weddings and and the ancient ones. And I was sort of found it funny that there were so many songs, so much singing. Mm. And I realized I'm very, very silly man because um, that's because my d- internal image of a wedding is a very secular wedding in which singing doesn't actually occur. No, it doesn't. It's actually in a Christian weddings. It does. Just like yeah. all those other ones, there are spiritual, traditional songs yes. being sung or rather droned, <laughs> but uh, intoned. Yeah, droned <laughs> with very serious warning lyrics. <laughs> So another probably like uh, tradition that I think covers quite a large geographic area, there's lots of different cultures that do this, is the literal tying of the knot, the tying of the hands together as a part of the ceremony. And I know that in um, certain religions there's also the practice of tying the hands and the husband leading the bride with their hands tied like in a circle and that's a part of the ceremony mm. um you know i know the irish have a tying hand yes. tying practice the hand tying it is a celtic origin it's called so it's hand fasting is the term for um for marriage uh like the hand fasting for a wedding the hand fasting will occur at this time so oh, right it, tied it, well, hands mean, together. well we we refer to a wedding as the tying of the knot as well, yeah. Yeah. really. So it's the same yeah. sort of thing, right? And it okay. is thought to be the origin of that also. Tight. Yeah. Love that. So that's that's yeah. an old one, etymologically. And so Queen Victoria's back. Um, oh, my God. How did she get in here? Um, so oh she's also, God. so you know the bridal chorus that happens? The bridal chorus? I think it's the Here Comes the Bride. Oh, the, yeah, the bridal chorus. Yeah, yeah you know, the bridal yeah. chorus. Yeah. Sorry, of course. <laughs> of course. She is responsible for making that an aspect of the wedding procession. Uh, why does she ruin everything? That's a really good question. You're going to have to ask her. She's um, dead. Yes. She's long dead, Sam. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting from reading um, about sort of wedding customs or wedding traditions is obviously in um, the in a large portion of the sort of 17th, 18th, 19th century religious ceremonies, religious weddings were the only weddings you could have. Um, And so if it wasn't sanctioned by the community, and that's kind of goes back to the initial sort of quote you read about this community sanctioning of the wedding is kind of an an element of that. Um, If it wasn't sanctioned by by the community, that wedding couldn't go forth. And so in England, there were places where people could go to get married without the sort of need of permission without the need of like social sort of uh, sanctity. That makes sense. Like you could go somewhere and get and, married. Yeah. In a place where that's perfectly fine. I, yes. I like, it's almost depressing how close that is to very recent times in Australia oh. for gay people. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, you know, it's not even a religious thing, but just like it is politically like in terms of our laws, mm legally not acceptable for two men or two women to get married and therefore it's not okay and they would have to go somewhere else where it was okay in order to do that only for that marriage to be completely worthless here in Australia, legally speaking. Fortunately, that changed. How long ago? It was 2017. 2017. It's like, that's fucked. Less than six years, yeah. (laughs) And I even remember, because again, we've been married for 10 years, so I remember at my wedding, they have to read something called the monetum which is Latin, the monotone, which is um, 
Latin for warning, a warning or reminder, <laughs> which basically, which is also where we get mon- the word money from. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, cool. How, how about, how's that for you? Um, <laughs> but um, the- Etymology bombshell. Bomb, just, just dropping them. Uh, an e-bomb. <laughs> the fucking conversation. But no, like, so we, um, you know, they had to legally read the monotone being, you know, like the definition of marriage in Australia. They have to read that out. Yes. And at the time it was- um, a union between a man and a woman forsaking all others for life or some shit yes, yeah. along those lines. And we literally added to it. We had our mate get up and say like, you know, and the couple would like to say that, you know, in the future they hope that it says between two people yes. for life. And um, that but, yeah. is what happened a few years later. And you then know. at our wedding, that's what it was said. Yeah, we exactly. actually had the, the newer one. Which was really, really nice. And yeah, it's, it's it, because it wasn't that long ago. And, you know, we think about it in, in your family, Sam, that like there were some long engagements, you there know, like. Some long engagements. Um, yeah. You know, that was waiting for <laughs> a, a public vote. Meaningful change. <laughs> you want to talk about needs the sanction of the community. Yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. And so Gretna, I don't know if you guys know about Gretna Green. I, look, what about my face makes you think I know anything about Gretna well, because Green? Because it's it's actually a very well it's it's exists in pop culture quite prolifically. Mm-hmm. Gretna Green. So Gretna Green is a place in Scotland that was basically the spot for runaway weddings for English and for the English and the Welsh. They basically what happened was. In 1754, Lord Hardwick introduced a marriage act, which essentially restricted marriage. Um, so it says, under the act, if a parent or a person under the age, if a parent of a person under the age of 21 objected to the marriage, the parent could legally veto the union. And so the act tightened these requirements, but just for England and Wales. It didn't apply to Scotland. Um, in England and Scotland, uh, in Scotland, um, you could legally. Get, and this is this is the least the less good part. Mm. You could legally get married without parental consent for boys at fourteen and for girls at twelve, <sighs> which is young, very yeah, very young. That's but what? Young. But when you when you read the act, basically it means that if you were 18, 19 years old and your parent did not want you to marry somebody, mm-hmm. they could literally stop you from legally being able to get married yeah. in England and Wales. And so what would happen is these young couples would flee to Gretna Green. Um, and in the 1770s, there was actually a toll road built which connected England to Scotland a lot faster, so that made it a lot easier. And they so had toll they, roads in the 1770s. Yeah, toll was old. Okay, go on. <laughs> they um, were guarded by ogres at that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, according to Scottish law, they allow for something called irregular marriages, which essentially, if a declaration was made before two witnesses, witnesses, then almost anybody had the authority to conduct the marriage ceremony. So if they arrived and there was two people and an, uh, like there were three people in a room and the, this couple was like, we wish to get married, any one of them could like marry them. Sick. <laughs> so what happened was you had these people called Anvil Priests who were the blacksmiths of Gretna Green. Can I just say Anvil Priest is a fantastic metal band name. I agree. <laughs> so cool. So they would... Essentially, but they became the irregular marriage celebrants. They would marry. They would marry so many people. In fact, there was one person, Richard Renison, who performed. Richard Renison, comma Anvil Priest. <laughs> he performed five thousand one hundred and forty-seven marriage ceremonies. Fuck yeah! Wow. And in rip. fact, the blacksmith and Anvil 
became a lasting symbol of Gretna Green weddings. So it's now synonymous with that. And now Gretna Green is actually just a really lovely place to go get married because it has this deep history with sort of like marriage It's actually customs. quite romantic, isn't it? It's oh a very God. romantic place. <laughs> Um, and then, so imagine being such a rebel that you end up an anvil priest. I'm stuck on anvil priest. <laughs> I know. Probably. I mean, it's, it's so dope. Um, and then in 1929, they Scotland changed its law, so you had to be at least 16, but you could still marry without parental consent, and that's still the case now. Yeah, right. Because I mean, like you know, sometimes your parents probably have the best interests at heart, like you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's not always. Yeah, yeah. Bad. and like mm. and one of the things that I think comes up a lot because in this time period as well, you've got to remember that um, Ireland was also a part of. The union. The union. So to speak. Um, So to speak. And so there would also be parents who wouldn't want their English daughter to marry an Irish man. And so they would flee to Gretna Green in order to get married. Right. And so there's that. There's also the Protestant Catholic thing. That's a whole thing. (laughs) There's a whole background. Yeah. There's a whole thing. This actually um, stems uh, an interesting little story actually about a specific cultural wedding practice. So... um, there's a there's a practice in a lot of African American weddings um, called jumping the broom. Um, jumping the broom is basically just like at the end of the ceremony, there's like a you know witch's broom on the ground sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Not a literal witch's broom, I assume. Uh, a broom stolen from the local witch, yes. <laughs> and you have to yes. protect the bride by kidnapping her, otherwise the witch comes for her in the night. <laughs> uh, you jump over the broom, right? You jump over the broom, and that's like aha, you're married thing. Well done. Um, so it's 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 really kind of. Uh, Funny the origins though, like not funny, but very interesting. But like, um, so during this, the period of slavery in the US, mm-hmm. slaves obviously couldn't legally marry. Because yeah, <laughs> um, they weren't like, technically counted as people. in the, No, so yeah. contract law can't consider them free persons. So that contract law, they can't be in a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but also slave owners wouldn't have wanted that because at the time that would have meant slave men would have had rights over slave women. Right, so that, and they yeah. don't want to have a hierarchy of people beneath them, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. so that, so it was they couldn't marry. So instead, there was they, there was this tradition that developed of doing an uh, an uh, a regular, a regular wedding. Mar- and mar- yeah. Um, yeah, just like the stuff we were just talking about, and um, and jumping over the broom became that tradition. Right. Um, and so, like, it, the, the common sort of wisdom is often that it came from a tradition from Ghana, which involves like using a broom to sweep away. Um, um, bad things, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it's actually like the modern scholarship on this is actually that it's more likely it actually comes from a British root um, from those irregular weddings in the United Kingdom, right. mm. um, and being called broomstick weddings often because oh. they would jump over broomsticks. Wow! And the reason why is because there was there was kind of more cultural sort of conversation going on between um, Southern black slaves and Southern uh, poor low class whites. Um, that interacted enough that these traditions could actually sort of blend and mix. Wow. Okay. Which is really, really fascinating. So yeah. this tradition, it is, it's not an even line because it kind of disappeared. And then from the 70s onwards, there was this book um, that was sort of turned into a show um, by Alex Haley called Roots, the Saga of an American Family mm-hmm. about a, a slave in the 18th century. Uh, and it was so popular that it actually caused a resurgence in that practice. In the tradition. So the point of this is, is that this was something that was um, a necessity based off a horrible circumstance mm. that then now turns into a proud... And a celebration of culture. And, yeah, a yeah. proud tradition. And, and, and I think that's an amazing kind of little micro story. And also unique to a region, which is always cool. 
Yeah, and I love that because I think ultimately when we're talking about, and this was in a lot of people talking about wedding traditions and like how to decide, there's many, many, many guides and like how to decide what to keep and not keep in your wedding and all of that. Ultimately, everyone stressed the idea that it's like you have to choose what you want to do based on you and your partner. What are the things that you value? What are the customs you are drawn to? Mm. You know, because you might have a deep connection to your ancestry. Like so we had Irish music at our wedding because – we have Sam has a deep connection to his Irish heritage. Mm-hmm. If you have a deep connection to a heritage, maybe you take on some of those customs because it connects you to that long lineage of people who had weddings before you. Mm. Or you don't do any of them and you do your own thing that represents who you are as a, as a couple, but it should be meaningful to you and your partner. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the most beautiful part. All of that could add solemnity or or your um or celebration to the occasion. Like. Absolutely, absolutely. And so whether or not you let your dad give you away or you wear the white wedding dress or you do the something borrow something blue, you throw the bouquet if that's something that you'd like, if you mm. like the symbolism of that, do it. If you don't like the symbol symbolism of it, do something else. There's so many traditions you can pull from. Yeah, I feel like if there was one piece of advice for people, you know, thinking about getting married, I think it would basically be that where it's just allow yourself the space to be you in Mm. the process, you know, because there's so much pressure as a rule when it comes to, you know, preparing for your wedding and it's all based on other people's expectations. Like you you think you were talking about the pressure on brides and things like that. And historically we've now discovered that that's just been the case forever. (laughs) You know, the, the, the pressure on brides nowadays is through family expectation as well as social expectation based on, the hegemony of, of media, you know? So it's like people have this idea in their head of what a wedding is supposed to be and how much money is supposed to be spent on it. And like the only thing that I want to say kind of before we finish up is really that, you know, if you truly want that, go for it. If your connection and the way that you want to define yourself and your, um, you and your partner, the couple in the marriage is, is based around your connection with your faith and you do want that solemn religious wedding, do that. But, you know, if you're a person that's living a secular life that doesn't have an attachment to these traditions, allow yourself the room to be you and allow the wedding to be a celebration of who you are, who you both are as individuals, who you are as a couple and who you want to be in the future. I think that that's really important to remember. Friends, it's been great. Don't worry about getting married if you don't want to, by the way. Yeah, that's also, I do want to make it You don't have to do any of the things we tell you to do. I I do do think it's important to note that there is is a growing trend of people who are forsaking the entire institution of marriage. And they're just living together happily as a couple forever. Not to mention, I should also mention that they're like, you know, monogamy is not not the only way that people are living. And and Mm. that has never been the case. There is no one way of living a romantic life or having connections as well. So, and and it's just more popularly understood now. But it's important to say, especially if we're discussing weddings and like life partnerships and stuff like that, that a monogamous partnership is not the only kind of partnership. Absolutely. Um, Just saying that. (laughs) I'm fucking, I'm so stoked about the, the, fucking, you know, marriage equality thing in Australia now is it was a real problem for a very long time. So I'm glad that we actually got to bring that up and celebrate that today as well. Thank you so much for listening, friends. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took as many tidbits away as I did from today's uh, exciting thing. And then, you know, I helped as well. Did you notice? I brought up a thing. I said a thing that these guys didn't fucking know. So Mm -hmm. now I'm the smart one. (laughs) True real facts. 
But for now, it's goodbye from me and indeed from the people who are less smart than me, the Sands. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Take care of each other, friends. We'll talk to you soon.